What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Unapologetically Black Male, where we talk about surviving the stigma, standards, and systems. My name is Dwayne Pate. I'm one half of the uh, host here. My other um, brother co-host, co uh, brother EJ Stewart, is unable to be with us today. But I just want to take this time to kind of welcome you back to the podcast. As you know, we're here to celebrate the uh, the lives of African-American men and their stories and how you know they got to where they are. I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest today. So I can go ahead and introduce him. So I would like to welcome to the show, Brother Clint Wilson. Um, and I just want to thank him, number one, for consenting to be on this podcast, to share his story as an African-American man and kind of tell us about all, all the things that he had overcome, um, the stigmas, the standards, and the systems to be where he is today. So, Brother, Brother Wilson, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Um, if you can give us a little bit of background about yourself uh, so we can get to know you real quick. Sure, sure, sure. First of all, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come and share um, my background and uh, my the stigmas and standards and systems that might have plagued me growing up and as I matriculated to adulthood. Um, I am originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. I um, was raised by a single parent mom. Um, so many have the same story as that, mm -hmm. but I was raised by a single parent mom. She's actually an educator. And so my first teacher was my mom. Um, me and my brother, he's 13 months older than me. We both were um, challenged by my, our mom and she would always say when and never if. And so that's mm -hmm. one thing I really appreciated from her speaking life into us from an early age. Um, it was never if we're going to college, if we succeed, if we if we do this, if we get a job, it was always win, win, win. And so from an early, early age, we were taught this is good as our counterparts on the other side, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, um, something I, I learned recently or something that I came to realization about, and I'll go into this probably later on, but as being a black individual, being a black male specifically, you're never unarmed mm -hmm. because your skin color is your weapon. Mm -hmm. And so Okay, you're dropping, <laughs> you're dropping jewels already. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm sorry, I ain't being interrupted, but that was good. <laughs> it's all good. No, no, I mean, we can discuss that later, but I just feel like growing up, um, you know, a lot of times I was the only black male that was in AP courses or not mm. my courses. I never really saw any other educators or black male educators. Um you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think I had one, except for one, I had one black male teacher or one black male educator um, that was really of influence to me um, throughout my matriculation, at least to middle school, I had a couple, but um, didn't see that often. And so mm -hmm. it was really funny. I went to University of North Carolina at Greensboro for my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And when I got to UNCG, I initially was, went there to be a physical um, trainer, a PT. Mm -hmm. Um Physical therapist, sorry. And um, I got all the way to my senior year, well, actually my junior year, second semester, and I picked up some psych courses and I that became my minor. And so I started liking those a lot more than my PT courses. And I was like, well, I don't want to change my major because I want to graduate. I'm mm -hmm. tired. Whatever. So I was like, there's always grad school. Right. So I ended up going to grad school for um, school counseling. Um and I went to North Carolina, North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University for my um, graduate degree. And gotcha. when I graduated, you know, I ended up staying in Greensboro. Um, mm -hmm. That's where the schools are located, staying in Greensboro. And I um, became a school counselor. And my, like, 
our role or I guess my ministry or my mission there would be to show our black and brown kids that um, all educators aren't white, our educators aren't female. Mm-hmm. Um, as a black male, you can be a strong influence in education and you can um, help others be strong influences of what they wanted to be in. And so I continued that work for like six or seven years as school counselor. And then I matriculated to the district level as a supervisor of high school counseling. Mm-hmm. And then later on became the director of counseling for um Greensboro's local school district. Um, Within that time era in 2018, I received my doctorate degree in um, leadership studies and adult education. And so that was something that was a major milestone for me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, being statistically only like 2% of black males receive a PhD or, you know, a doctorate. So I feel very, very empowered to be a part of that 2%. Um, And currently, I currently work in Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. North Carolina, as the chief of student services for the local school district here. And so it's just it, it's just amazing to see the matriculation over from K-12 to mm-hmm. college, to grad school, to doctoral school, to professional, to work you now, and just being able to see the stigmas that are placed against us as African-Americans, not, but but more so African-American males. Um, the you, you can't succeed. You're not given the opportunity. Things of mm-hmm. that. So that's a little bit about my story of how I got to where I got to. And you know, I just thank God for a praying mother and a praying grandmother and um, a host of family and friends that were there to support and through my matriculation out of my big brother and things of that nature. So it's been it's it's been very beneficial. It's been a journey, but I'm glad mm-hmm. on this journey. Awesome, man. You you have uh thank you for the build up to kind of get to where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to go a little bit back to your like your childhood. I mean, you mentioned that you were raised by a single mom mm-hmm. uh, and you have a sibling. I do. So and, uh, and you Raleigh, you Raleigh, North Carolina. Yes. Raleigh. So, so so let's 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 start there. <laughs> <laughs> how was how was your experience as an African American man in, in Raleigh? And I know Raleigh now has become like Raleigh, Charlotte, yeah, yeah, it's starting to, you know, um, become, you know, heavy populated. People are moving there because of the slow pace and things like that. But for you, how was that experience growing up in that environment? It was it wasn't difficult. Um, I and the funny thing was it was um, well, I wouldn't say it wasn't difficult. I would say it was not the city as a whole, but my experiences in school were were different. Um, Just to give you a little background. My brother and myself, we attended Catholic school Mm. for about four years of our lives. So a lot of the schooling that we received, there was a lot of white um, influences that were in the school. So, I mean, it wasn't many of us that were there, but I was because my mom, you know, felt so she wanted us to get a strong foundation Mm -hmm. in a private school sector first um, prior to going to public school. So. While all my friends were going to our neighborhood school up the street, we were going to Catholic school. We had to dress up and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So I was only there for four years because, again, the stigma was placed upon us by mm-hmm. the nuns that were there. Um, the nuns. Um, I had a second grade, and I a second grade teacher. Her, um, I won't. I ain't gonna say her name, but um, <laughs> I ain't gonna call her. I ain't gonna put her business on the shoulder down. I mean, I haven't seen her since then. But gotcha. um, she. She, I mean, every every little stereotype in the book she used, you know, against mm. and things of that nature. And my mom had to go up there and had several conferences with her, you know. So after that, we ended up going to public school from there gotcha. on out. 
Um, and so I I feel like the public school really, really um, supported my endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that I felt like a little slighted. Of course, you know, when you're one of the only African-American males in advanced placement courses or mm-hmm. AI or anything like that, and everyone looks to you when the Black issue comes up, and I'm not one to stay silent. So mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was something else, too. If I feel a bit an inequity or injustice, I'm going to speak up about it, whether people gotcha. like it or not. So that, that's kind of always been ingrained. I mean, I, I, I guess I would expect that with the, the, the way your mom raised you and just kind of yeah. having that kind of influence. And <laughs> she really uh, uh, stuck up for you when she needed to go up to school and have those conversations. <laughs> so, you know, go ahead. I think that's important um, because, you know, our, our single moms had to do a lot for us. Um, they had to be disciplinary and they had to, you know, speak up our advocates. And that's that's kind of how we learn how to pattern our life and how to kind of move throughout life. So, you know, I definitely like to applaud that, um, you know, it's it, the situation what it was um, and you just got to make it do. Um, and, and, and she made it she made it work for both of y'all, for you and your brother. So she did. I, she, did. she did the best. She she she's a rock star, you know, and it's like. Um, and I mean, I'm not trying to slight my dad. I mean, my dad did the best he could. I mean, we still have a relationship. I had a relationship at the time with him. Um, but, you know, it was just certain things that he he didn't have the capacity mm-hmm. um, to do a lot of things that he set out to do, which, right. you know, my mom had to pull up that slack and, you know, carry carry that. And we've had discussions about this. So it's not it's not a secret gotcha. or anything like that. Um, but it's just it's just knowing and looking back as an adult, knowing mm-hmm. the capacity and knowing um, where you are mentally and developmentally. And as a 25, 20, 29, 30, 40, you don't ever, you don't develop like everybody else develops. You develop mm-hmm. at your own time. And so there's some, there's some things that we feel like you should reach this point by the time you're this, or you should, but everyone's not going to, you know, align to those rules or those norms. So just knowing that, you know, people get there when they get there, but mm-hmm. you have to love them anyway. Um, you don't excuse their behavior, but you have to love them through it. And that's something that I did learn um, th- during my matriculation um, from childhood to adulthood concerning, you know, being raised by a single parent. But, you know, one thing I am learning is like not letting that be my narrative. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to touch on that because I um, what. <laughs> And I want, I'm gonna chime in right here because this is a, a a point of reference for me. Is that like like I I, I was raised by like I'm pretty much raised by everybody in my family. That's that's a whole other story, you know. You live different places, different here, you know. But I had to come to the grips of the relationship with the relationship dynamic with my dad. You know, I saw him on the weekends. My dad was a good dad. Mm-hmm. You know, it was times when I wasn't with my mom, so it, you know, it was always something. But I had to come. It was a point in my life where I had to kind of realize that I'm not. Um, I'm not a product. I'm, what is it? Their decisions were their decisions and they made the best decision that they could at that time. Right. And then I, when I got to their age, I realized like, oh, they were 20 when they had me. Um, mm. When I was 20, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know how y'all did it. So I think that is very pivotal for us as men to kind of almost like relieve our, release our parents from the decisions that they made. Right. You know, that impacted us. Right. You got to provide grace. You know, yeah. um, you have to provide Absolutely. grace. 
Um, and you have to learn how to forgive because honestly, you know, forgiveness is for you and not for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so to move forward, I, that was a, that was a point in my life too. I was like, I was struggling. I was like, I don't, you know, you know, and I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm sure he's sleeping good. Like I'm the one that's <laughs> tossing and turning at night, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, just, just being able to let go and mm-hmm. let him in, um, was mm-hmm. a blessing to me, you know? And so. And, you know, we've had our struggles and but I mean, every family has. I mean, there's no perfect family. There's no blueprint. There's nothing like that. I mean, we go back to Adam and Eve and, they, you know, look, Mm -hmm. that shit was um, killed one another. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like, you know, there's no perfect family that's out there. And so you just have to accept the ones that you have. Hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. Yes. You have to accept what you have and just pray for better days. And so that's always been something that. Well, I wouldn't say always, but that's something that I'm leaning more towards now. And okay. I think and I think I let a lot of that influence me mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and I missed out on a lot of things, you know. Mm. And so um I missed out on a lot of time because I did have some unforgiveness and unresolved in my heart. So um those are one of those things that you just have to, you know, see and just be like, you know, it is what it is. But right. I'm still here. <laughs> Absolutely. At what at what point, like uh, in your matriculation, like was it kind of like the it clicked for you as far as like to offer that grace piece and just kind of like that forgiveness piece? Um, <laughs> and if you're still working though, you can. Look, see it too. <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, brother. Gotcha. I'm still a work in progress, homie. Like I I am, but I will say, um, like moving when I moved into my 30s, I think I was like, okay, you know. Gotcha. I think I was like, okay, so it's time to, again, not, you're keeping the same narrative. You're telling the same story mm-hmm. over and over again. And it's like, are you, are you trying to get sympathy or are you telling the story mm-hmm. to empower others? And so now it's more so if I do tell the story, it's to, to help you out, to help another brother out. It's not to mm-hmm. garner pity. I don't need any, no pity from nobody because I felt like I got all that I needed to get where I needed to get to. So it's not like, um, any of that, but I just think it's more, more so like you're giving the platform of the black male voice and mm-hmm. what we've been through. And a lot of times as black men, we're told not to really share our emotions and feelings and where we're yeah. going, all that kind of stuff, just bottle them up. But then that's why we have heart attacks. That's why we have strokes. That's why we have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. This, 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 this. That's how we can't, we keep that generational curse going with and, our families and yeah. um, that we that we have and our children and things of that nature. So we got to stop this stigma. We got to we got to break down the barriers. We got to break down the walls. We got to get to the root of it. And um, I, I, I think talking about it and sharing and, you know, garnering information from each other is the way to do it and not to keep it all bottled up inside because that's not helping anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you hit it right on the um on the head, like as far as like that whole uh not being able to express emotion. And one of the th- one of the reasons why we started this, we started this la- uh started this podcast in the midst of mental health awareness month. Mm-hmm. Just kind of bring mental health awareness like to us as African American men, and then kind of getting into it, just realizing like we really need a positive outlet to kind of share our stories and realize how much of a commonality we have, but it's a difference. And I think that 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 piece about the being emotional and just kind of sharing um, all the things that we were taught as children, you know, man up, you know, 
you know, toughen up. You almost supposed to cry. Mm-hmm. Not then you get to adult and you got all this bottled up emotions and can't and wonder why you can't. You're not able to articulate how you feel right. because you've been taught so long to suppress it. So that's definitely one of the things that you know we as African American men need to continue to work on and and hopefully you know this this platform is an opportunity to just kind of get people to talk about you know things like that. So definitely, definitely. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I want to um want to talk talk about uh it was one piece I, you mentioned i can't i lost track of it um uh, what was it All right, i'll come back to it um let's talk about oh this was the piece your um the first time you saw an african-american male teacher when was that Oof. well i had the funny thing was i had an assistant principal in my okay. elementary school that was an african-american male um his name was mr mcnary and me and his um, daughter were really really close um, and he was a great influence um, mm-hmm. on me in elementary school. Middle school, I think the first encounter with the, a black male teacher was Mr. Bryant. He taught Algebra 1. Okay. And, um, or sixth grade math or something. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he was tough as nails and um, would, you know, tell you what it is and but held you accountable and mm. was like, I'm not letting you give up and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to be better or greater than the counterpart sitting beside you. And, you know, uh, they're getting it. Why aren't you getting it? I'm going to give you extra work so you can get it, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, but he really, you know, supported all of us and he wanted us to win. And so that was different because it was like, mm. Oh, is this black dude, you know, right, 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 <laughs> giving us all this work? And like, I, my, like, my white, you know, my white classmates don't got all this work. How come we're getting, you know, mm. that kind of thing? But he really, you know, wanted us to be strong and, um, in math and, you know, things of that nature. And math was never my strong suit. So that was, that was a great, he was a great influence. I did have, I had like a couple of other black um, male teachers. I had Mr. Dix, he was our, shop teacher and I learned mm. a lot from him. He was a godly man and he, you know, he expressed that daily and he you know, so he was a great influence. Um and then in eighth grade, so I had middle school was pretty good. At gotcha. eighth grade I had Mr. Prelo. He was my algebra one teacher. So he was he was dope, dope teacher. Mm-hmm. Um then high school I don't know. I ain't had no black male teachers. <laughs> it went from that to like nothing. nothing. Like they were there, but I never had them. Um, but I still had like black male influences that were there. Like um, Mr. Scott, he was the band teacher. Um, okay. he was, he, you know, he's still an influence in my life now. So um, I did have great educators, but I mean, I always had great black female educators now. Like gotcha. that was, they always were there. They, I mean, you know, <laughs> They say mamas everywhere. They always were around, you yeah. know, whether you were in that class or not, they had the eye on you. So, so, I mean, but I will say like edu- ed- those educators had a major influence on how I probably wanted to, you know, um, what my career path was going to be. Gotcha. Did, now, did you ever see yourself in, the, in your current career path or it, no, oh, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Well, like the funny thing was like, uh-huh. I think I, I saw myself, but subconsciously, I didn't see myself in it. So let me explain. Okay. So it was like maybe year one. I forgot. Was I in grad school? It was the year one of me actually doing being a school counselor. Okay. I um, came home to my mom's house, and she's type at 
that sometimes she keeps like a lot of our work from like back in the day in school. Stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was going through like some old stuff and I came across this resume that we had to write in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And it said like, um, you know, your top choices of careers. And like the first thing was I was going to be the singer and tour the world. You know, I was mm -hmm. going to be, you know, out there and be little Luther, you know, whatever. <laughs> <Luther>. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be singing. I'm still gonna do that. Look, that's that's still, that's still yeah. my bucket. I'm gonna tour the world, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. But and but then the second career was being a school counselor, and I'm like, where mm. the heck did that come from? Because I don't remember even discussing that at all. So I don't know where. So I guess it was predestined. But I love the work that I do um, on both levels. When I was actually in the school building and then on district level, because now it's more so policy and helping support. Mm -hmm those that support counselors in the building to to and and student services staff to support them with the matriculation to help kids um but i never would have thought honestly i was i was supposed to be on somebody's field being an athletic trainer mm. um that was my thought that was my go-to that's what i was going to be doing or um a sports psychologist those were the two things that i were thinking i was going to i never thought really i was going to be education but i landed here and this is where i am you know and it's you know i think it was i know it was definitely destiny for me to be in this field because i mean you know i'm here <laughs> So yeah, I, I um that's why I started at, at uh, athletic training too. Um, okay. And they end up uh, got, I was like you. I had did so much time. It was like when I switched my major, I was like, uh, I ain't gonna switch. I'm just gonna finish it off and just go to the next thing. <laughs> so so definitely understand that. So so now you are so you've kind of worked your way through you know the school system. Now you're kind of on the director level. You're overseeing everything. What what have some what have been some of the barriers for this uh, level of leadership that you have um, gained in, in your current field <laughs> career path? Uh, it, that that really maybe could speak to like some stigmas that were already out there um, and things like that. I will say the educational field, especially student services, is not very men heavy. Mm, OK, um, that's uh, like social worker, school social worker, school counselors, like mainly are women um, for mm -hmm. the most part. So breaking that barrier alone was something and then being young, younger than most of your counterparts in the profession mm. that, um, you know, that was something else that was like another barrier to. And then I, again, like I said, I'm very expressive. And so I'm, I, I, I do what I'm supposed to do. I I. I work well with people. I'm a, you know, very humorous team player, but at the same time, I'm a very big advocate. And so if I know, or I, if I see something that's wrong, I'm probably going to say something about it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just another thing. And I, you know, there's inequities and, uh, and there's this, there's always this thing like academia versus student services, like mm -hmm. the academia world. And so I always feel like we should be working together um, mm -hmm. because Maslow hierarchy of needs. I mean, if you're not, if students aren't getting their basic needs met, then they're not going to be able to do the academics. And right. so student services provides those tools and to, to help students garner their basic needs. And so, but the stigmas and stuff is just like, you know, what do you know? Mm. I mean, who are you? <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, um, now, and, now, and, now is it is it blatant or is it more like the subtle approach? Like, 
uh, <laughs> the passive aggressiveness that comes with <laughs> working in certain, in certain spaces is blatant. Okay. Uh, in certain spaces is passive aggressive. It's weird because in certain spaces, when you walk into the room and and they're like, you know, you're gonna be this is the person that's gonna be leading or doing whatever, they're like, hmm? um, really? And then mm-hmm. and then you open your mouth and people say, like introduce you to, you to you, Dr. Clint Wilson. They're like, Doctor, da, 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 da. and mm-hmm. then the respect starts coming. And I'm like, gotcha. okay, so is it is it because I have a title? Because honestly, I go around telling anybody, I mean, anybody that you know. If they say Dr. Wilson, I'm like, it's Clint, please. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my accomplishments, but I also know who I am and where I'm from. Gotcha. And so, you know, I carry that with me with me everywhere. But I think it's just the stigma of it's like I was talking about earlier, like I will never be unarmed. Mm-hmm. Like I will never be unarmed. Like I'm still seen as that thug off the street that, mm-hmm. you know, who are you? Like, you know, how'd you get here? How'd you get here? Who who gave you a pass? Like, what qualifications do you have? Like, I feel I have to jump through more hoops to prove my worth than somebody else does. You know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Um, but that's that's in life. Like, that's in general. Like, I think we will always be looked at like that. Like, who? And then and then it's like a whole bunch of vouching. Like, other mm-hmm. people have to, you know, vouch for me. And I'm like, I'm nobody to vouch for me. I, I know what I got. I know what I'm worth. And so... But I think in their world, it's a lot of like, oh, he's he good, he he's a good one, you know. <laughs> I've been told one. that too. Like you, well, you're different. You're not like I'm not like what. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, and say it. <laughs> go ahead and say it, because I can, because I can turn real quick. I know how to code switch, but I'll, I'll, I'll go said, right back. I'll go it's back still, it's back. still in there, <laughs> right? I'll go right back to Clint from Southeast Raleigh. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that that always because uh, I went to a PWI, so uh, for I did too for undergrad. Mm-hmm. So you know that that um, and you know, peer being one of the only active African American men like on campus, like with mm-hmm. activities yeah. like Black History Month, we call it on you, and it's like at some point, like really. Right. They won't they won't put you on the flyers, all that good right, stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, I was on I was on every poster at UNCG. Every. Every poster pointing, doing this, uh-huh. doing that. I mean, I, I was on every poster at UNCG. Like it's it's crazy how those shared experiences happen, you know. And it and like there was one time like I did. I remember I was in a class and it was you know a lot of Caucasians that were in there and and I looked around the room and I remember they were talking about I I forgot how we got on race relations, but I said mm-hmm. and um, social economic status stuff. I said and I raised man. I, I said. There's a lot of different nationalities in here. There's a lot of different people that are all from social, other walks of life, social economic mm-hmm. statuses, all that stuff. I said, but guess what? We're all sitting in this classroom together. Mm-hmm. So you ain't no better than me, and I'm no better than you, regardless of if your mom and dad paid for you to get up in here, or regardless if I earned my way in here like I did, or mm-hmm. you know, you got money and I might not. I have to work like two or three jobs to make sure I'm staying afloat, whatever. We're still all sitting in this class, but I can guarantee mm-hmm. you this much. If, if it came down to you getting the A or me getting the A, I'll bet on me any day. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. So, like, because I'm going to work for mine. So, I, gotcha. I, I think, you know, you got to put people in that mindset. Like, like we're all sitting at the same table. Like, mm-hmm. whether you want me to be here or not, we're still sitting around the same table. And I'm going to voice my opinion just like you feel like you, you can voice your opinion. You know? And so... 
it's just it's just it's just sad that we still have to fight those battles but it's like second nature like i'm used to it, it. It, I'm it, like I'll, I'll agree with you. It's almost like second age. Like you always, you know, we you always know you're gonna have to work twice as hard um, mm-hmm. to get to those positions of you know What's of what we feel like of respect and like of authority over people who feel like they're more qualified than us, who feel like we don't deserve it or things like that. But I think you know what speaks to our level of resiliency is is what keeps us going and our level of perseverance. You know the things that we got from our ancestors and from our mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that work ethic, work ethic, um, to kind of you know stick it through. I know that's one thing I got from my dad. Like his work, my dad worked that work ethic is crazy. Some you know might be overkill, you know, but that's him. That's how he learned to you right. know go about life and giving it his all. And I think that's how we, you know, we got to take the parts of them that make us who we are, but also incorporate our own identity within right. so to kind of make it our own. So you know, that's I think that's just part of. You know, surviving the stigma standards and system as African-American men um, and understanding that we're armed. Like, I think what you said, we're armed as soon as we walk in the door. Like, people are going to look at us like, huh? I said, we're always armed. Yeah, we're we're always armed. You know, whether we aren't, you know, have the right to carry or not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's always something that we got to keep at the forefront. Uh, It's unfortunate, but, you know, it's the world that we live in, especially where the things are going right now. Um, we got to make sure we always advocate for ourselves and things like that. So, it, it, any any other information that you, you you like to share about your story, about you know anything that you feel like that would be helpful to um, any African American man that might be listening today? I think you just need to trust in yourself and trust mm-hmm. the process. I think. Um, and always be optimistic. I think a lot of times we we can be a little pessimistic as time, yeah, uh, a culture and um, a gender. Like we can be very, you know, black males can be very pessimistic about, you know, the man going, you know, well, you know, invent your own, you mm-hmm. know, invent your own, make your own way. Like you can't let anybody stand in your way of what you what your dream is or what your destiny is, what God has for you is for you. And so you're going to get it regardless, but you also have to work towards it. And yeah. so, you know, there's going to be barriers I already go into that, knowing that. And so, you know, there was, there was something that I read where, um, where it was talking about intimidation. And so too many times I think that we harden ourselves as black males because we might feel intimidated by someone Mm-hmm. But you have to you or what they're going to say or their actions. But you have to realize that person doesn't even know they're intimidating you. That's mm-hmm. something you made up in your mind. You made up that intimidation stigma in your mind already going in at that person or or already going off of the norm of what would normally happen. Mm-hmm. And so I try to go into when I go into um, different spaces with, you know, uh, leaders or whomever, that intimidation factor is non-existent for me mm. um, because that's something that I'm creating because they're not in there knowing that they're that they're intimidating you. Um, that's something that you're, you're creating and you're placing that on yourself um, mm. and causing that unwanted or unmerited stress on yourself based off of somebody else who don't even know, they, they ain't even checking for you. So you have to go into those spaces knowing who you are 
and what your walk is and what you're about to accomplish. And you can't let nobody tear you down. Um, another thing I will say is find a great mentor to mm, support yes. you with your endeavors and somebody that can bounce. You can bounce ideals off of um, left and right to ensure that the right thing or to give you that those words of encouragement. Um, I have some great black male mentors that have been in my life and have imparted um, and edified me um, to be who I am and supported me and also corrected me and held me accountable. Yeah. Like, you know, I, again, I have, I can say whatever, but it's like Clint tact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> tact. Like don't be, right. don't go in there guns are blazing all the time. You don't have to mm -hmm. be rah-rah all the time. Like tact, like there's ways you can say things and it will sting the same, but they mm -hmm. can't fault you for it. They can't say you're being the angry black male. Right. Even though I will say, and that's another thing too, I think another thing in our race and at being black males is people mistake aggression for passion or passion for aggression. Mm -hmm. um, just because I say something and it, it comes off a little quote unquote harsh to you, you think I'm being aggressive. No, I'm just really passionate about the topic. Mm -hmm. And I think a, we're viewed as that, like, oh, he's so aggressive when he talks. No, I'm just very passionate because I want to ensure that you understand what I mean. I'm not right. being aggressive. Um, there's two different, there's, those are two different things, but that's something I think we're all, always labeled too. But again, going back to what you asked, um, again, knowing who you are, finding a good mentor, staying, mm -hmm. staying the course, um, trusting the process, do your research mm -hmm. on the topic at hand. When you're going into a room, do your research, know what you're talking about. Um, they might not know, but you need to know mm -hmm. because you need to know more than what they know. Um, and so use your resources, you know, um, you know, su support each other. Mm. That That's that's <laughs> big right there. <laughs> we got to support each other. I feel like a lot of times we we spend, oh, he, what, what he doing? He think he all that. that support mm. each other. Like that's another black man doing something good. You know, support business, support what you got going on instead of hating on it. Um, because mm -hmm. it might have been your idea 10 years ago, but you didn't you decide not to put it on paper. So right. support it. <laughs> support it anyhow, you know. So I think we have to come together a lot more than what we what we do. Um mm -hmm. we have to, you know, come together. Um, but I would say those would be some of the things that I would definitely um some suggestions or advice that I would give other black males while they're trying to matriculate and get to where they need to get to. But just my main one is just trust the process. Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. I think, you know, that community piece is very big for us. Um, if I think we can kind of get, if we can kind of get us to uh, get out of the individualized mindset that we have and work towards uh, a community mindset, and we're not going to always agree on everything. We all have different perspectives, but I feel like we can make a lot, a lot more happen um, if we really just kind of, let's just, do this together. I don't have to do this by myself. Right. You know, yes, I started this business, but I know you got a business too. So like, right. let's, let's work together. Let's make it happen. Let's impact culture more than we impact our pockets. And I think if we impact the culture that, you know, it'll, it'll pay us back in return. No, definitely. Um, um, it, but you have, you're going to have to put the work in and, you know, it's going to be a sacrifice, but it'll be worth it in the long, in the long end because you'll make an impact that lasts a long time. Instead of like just immediate, oh, I just got this money for this one time. When 
this couple of months that I sold this product and that was it. So right. I definitely, definitely want to, um, you know, echo that sentiment uh, and just really, uh, and just once again, thank you again for this kind of taking time out of your schedule um, to join me on this podcast, this kind of sharing your story. Um, but, you know, where we are here to highlight the stories of African-American men and all that they have overcome. Um, thank you for your uh, parting words, this kind of helpful hints that we want to make sure that we highlight um, for our men to continue to be positive and distrust the process. It's not exactly. always going to be easy, um, but exactly. it will be worth it if you stick if you stick with it. So, so I want to thank you again um, and want to thank everyone who is listening right now. Thank you all for joining us for another edition of Unapologetically Black Male, where we talk about surviving the stigma, standards and system. Once again, you can follow us on all social media outlets. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you can get um, the information as it drops. And I look forward to continue to provide this information for you um, as we continue to share the stories of other African-American men. So once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Wilson. Put some respect <laughs> on you. You slid that one in there. I, I, I'm going to let you slide this go around. But I appreciate I appreciate the humility um, that you operate by. So I just want to thank you for that. And thank you for our viewers and our listeners who will be uh, listening to this later. So once again, have a great day and I'll see you soon. All right.